Really, we have just started, and I already have tears in my eyes. This is a little outrageous. So I have to ask you if you're if you're limiting your time, Jenny, to uh, limiting your screen time for any any number of reasons. We can get into that here in a second. But uh, what would be uh, your most guilty uh, pleasure with Chat GPT? Do you do you have sort of a you digging all into like if you've only got thirty minutes? And you're going to burn it up in chat GPT. What, what are you going to burn it up on? Yeah. Um, so I have a ten. So I have a probably more keen awareness to the things that drain my batteries, like as a human being. Um, mm -hmm. And one of those things is emails. Mm -hmm. So like emails are and like email responses are like not my favorite by any means whatsoever. And so one of my guilty pleasures with chat GPT is whenever anybody sends like a really, really, really long form email. I have prompts like with my own prompt library and stuff because I've created that because I'm a big old nerd. Um, but I will take a prompt that's specifically made for this that will uh -huh. go, th I will copy and paste the email and have it summarize and clarify in a response. And it'll do that in like 15 seconds. And so I don't actually read the full email. It's like, I'll get the analysis of like, what's the high level? What's this email trying to say? Mm -hmm. And then I will have it write the response to clarify. And I found like eight out of 10 times, Chris, like, the clarification that it poses in the email, like, is this one of the main topics? Usually it's not one of the main pieces. So like it helps get alignment right out of the gate. So like, that's one of the key places that I use it to save like hours and hours and hours of time. Oh, wow. Well, you've got me thinking, I mean, wouldn't that be a wonderful plugin for, for an email where you can, you just to meet, cause there, you know, there is one now for YouTube yeah. uh, where you can hit a summarize button. And the AI, rather than watching a 45 minute video in, in just a few moments, the AI will come back and give you a summary with a bunch of bullet points of what that video entails and, and what the, the big takeaways were. Wouldn't that be a wonderful button to press or by default have it come out of your, your inbox? Yes, you can do it with podcasts too. So if you go to the transcript of the podcast and you say, mm -hmm. like, um, you know, summarize the the key action points and takeaways from this podcast you just copy paste it in and it'll do it in like 15 yeah we, we've done that for some, if you put our podcast in however it'll say uh can't summarize watch the whole thing it's amazing huh. it's that's a really smart prompt i love it that <laughs> <laughs> just um informed me that you know the transcript that comes out of chad and cheese is ideal for trying to squeeze that down to what are the four or five points that they made in the middle of all the other stuff that they've talked about. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lifesaver. For, for... On how I consume Chad and Jesus podcast. Uh, sorry. For the more verbose. Send uh, me that prompt. <laughs> for the more verbose uh, podcasts or, or ad heavy podcasts out there on the commercial side. It, it does. It does help you get through it a little bit. Yeah. It also well, helps well speaking, a of it. speaking of slogging through uh, a podcast, are you ready to slog through ours? I'm so excited. I don't want to slog, though. Like, we're intentionally here, and we're excited to have a great conversation. Right, sir? All right. We're going to trip the lights fantastico. Here we go. <laughs> Welcome to the CXR channel, our premier podcast for talent acquisition and talent management. Listen in as the CXR community discusses a wide range of topics focused on attracting, engaging, and retaining the best talent. We're glad you're here. All 
right. Welcome back to the uh, the latest edition of Recruiting Community Podcast. If you were watching with us and we're live, you saw that before the intro, we got our first spit take. Uh, so I'm pretty excited about that as, as we come out of the gate. Uh, I am, if you have not met me, I am Bud Abbott. I'm going to bring in my partner here, William Costello. There he is, my sidekick. Come on, you? shirt. <laughs> You, lo you love the rep. I got a lot of people don't know. These are the like Bud Abbott, William Costello, most famous comedy duo, I think, in the history, in the history, Jerry, of American. Yeah, American. well, we're not going to match that for sure. No, Roots in, in vaudeville, I think, radio, eventually yep. film, TV or TV, then film. No. Cool. I'm dating myself. I'm just not I'm not dating. Yes, you are. It's fine. No. All right, so we got a couple of things. If you're with us, uh, it is a live stream. So if you've got questions that are going to come in today uh, for our guests, and I think you might have a few, I highly recommend you put them in the chat. We are on the LinkedIn, the YouTube, uh, the Twitter, the X, whatever the hell that thing's called now, uh, and a couple of the channels and stations. But if you see a chat window there, uh, mostly we're promoting sort of the LinkedIn side of that. That's the easiest way for us to sort of engage. Uh, I think the Facebook stuff comes in too. But if you see a space there, ask a question. If we don't get to the question, uh, we will. We'll get back to you. We go through that and check that stuff. So we'll make sure that we come back to it. Uh, one thing we want to promote really quickly. Let me pull this up. Uh, I want to throw it up on the screen. For those who don't know, we're going to give a quick shout out uh, to our own uh, work that's going on is the courseware. So we've got some learning courseware that we have thrown out. There it is. Uh, I'll put it up on the screen. We've got Making Pay Transparency a Recruiting Advantage is one of the courses now that CXR offers uh, on that platform for our members. It's no cost for our members. Uh, and Foundations of a Candidate Experience. Jerry, you're certainly part of that. We pulled the, the founders of the Candies and Talent Board together uh, to be a part of that program. Uh, so we're super excited that that's available out there. I think we've had over 300 people take the course uh, since we've launched it, which is not too shabby. Uh, and then I am excited we have Antonia Forster, uh, who has been part of our lecture series twice now. I almost want to say three times, but twice now, I guess. Uh, and is one of the reasons why we started a lecture series in the first place uh, is now uh, part of our, our upcoming class called Closing the Gender Gap in Technology. It does just an excellent job there. So I don't know, Jerry, if there's anything you want to you want to say about the courses uh, as we're as we're sort of building out that catalog. Well, I like I like the intentionality that we have in terms of focusing in on key issues that are current. So, you know, this, this, this issue around um, how do we, how should we be handling uh, the pay conversation is, is a little different than what the legislation is, is attempting because it's all over the map. And so making sense of all of that and then getting to the core of what could we do in a best practice way uh, to engage, you know, uh, our candidate uh, flow is, I think, a critical upskilling for all recruiters. And so when you start looking at a couple of these issues and, and obviously changing or addressing the gender gap in tech, it's not the only place, but certainly it's one of the places. Um, you know, you, you really want people who have expertise uh, to be able to really talk to that issue and, and raise issues that probably, you know, it's going to take a while for people to get to. So I like it. I heard code for we're ahead of the curve. Get in there and check these out. That's what I that's what I just took away from that. You know, that's exactly how to summarize. Perfectly. I am the chat GPT of Jerry. I am the language learning model. <laughs> it's a summary. Look, if you haven't if you haven't seen it yet, 
I'm still uh, on first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. I, what's on second? I can't remember. It's uh, at cxr.org slash learning. Uh, you can check that out. The courses that are in there, if you're a member, all of that's included at free. Uh, so we're excited to offer that up. We've got more courses coming. Uh, underrepresented talent is a big one that's coming out. We're doing with Roy Bellotti. So I'm super excited about that. More on that later. Uh, so we're going to jump in. We have a really, really pretty cool. She calls herself a nerd, but I have to say uh, she's pretty cool. She's pretty cool. Nerds are cool now, I guess, anyway. Uh, but we'll we'll bring her in. And there she is. Miss Jenny from the block. How are you? I'm doing great, Chris. How are you doing? Thank you for joining us today. We're excited to have you on the show. Thank you for having me here. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, this is good stuff. So we do have a topic. If you missed it uh, on the on the little intro, uh, rewind it. Listen to it. It's kind of funny. We're talking about chat GPT, PTGGP. Uh, for AI compliance in the workplace, we want to talk a little bit about it. But before we do that, Jenny, what I'd like to do is let, give you a chance to sort of introduce yourself. But I'm going to I'm going to cut you off and sort of steer the introduction first. Right. So we, we've known you for a little bit. Uh, you were a director at at Pando Logic. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, those who don't know programmatic job advertising uh, vendor management platforms. You know, check it out. Check it out. Uh, but you served as, uh, currently serve, I think, as an advisory board member, right, over at HR.com. Yep. Uh, but now you're you're doing freelance work, right, on on this topic of AI and 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 systems enablement. Mm -hmm. But uh, you have kind of an interesting story because uh, I think in 2020 or a few few years back, three years ago your whole life got turned upside down, which ultimately leads you, of course, to this show, to this very moment. Uh, so maybe give us, uh, normally I just ask for an escalator pitch, but I think I think everybody would really appreciate hearing your story and, and how you kind of ended here. So that, that pivotal moment a few years back and how that turned everything upside down and has kind of made you the driven individual on this topic uh, that you are today. Can you, can you share that with a little bit of depth? Absolutely. So what Chris is referring to is in March of 2020, I was one of the first patients in Minnesota who had this little virus called COVID-19. And um, I got it. Um, I ended up in the hospital from it. Um, and in the hospital, I was in kidney failure from it. And in the hospital, I fell and I hit my head. And at that moment, I lost my entire memory. So um, who I was, who my kids were, how the world worked. Um, everything was wiped. And um, so after that, I went through a process of being able to kind of relearn who am I, how does the world work? Um, how does talent acquisition work, which is a space that I was in um, prior. And um, what I came to find after I went back into the talent acquisition world is I was really lucky because one of the things that I lost when I hit my head, Chris, was my design bias for how we had historically done these things and how we had solved these problems. And so because I didn't have that, that model for like the way we had always done it, I saw a problem. It was like, let's ask the right sharp questions to figure out what the problem is. User experience research is something that's really, really important to me. And um, for those of you who are on the call, uh, one kind of to connect the dots back to what I'd experienced. So I have uh, three kids who are now 15, 12, and um, six. And um, after my head injury, I didn't remember who they were. And so I didn't have any of my memories of who they were. And so one day I looked at the situation and was like, how, like, 
I, I had this aha moment where yeah. their yeah. memories of me, um, like were still there. My memories of them were gone. But I was like, I have to figure out how to write, like how to get that out of them. What's that called? That's called user experience research. And so I dug into user experience research to learn how to ask the right sharp questions to figure out like what those memories were to get them back for me, um, like foundationally. So I got really, really good at this through the lens of something called Clubhouse, um, which was an audio only listening uh, platform, which was the only way I could actually engage with content back then because I wasn't allowed to be on a screen. And um, so I learned UX from some of the best minds in the space. And um, that became the foundation of like how I went about work, which again is like, we all have problems when we come across things, but it's like, we have to ask the right sharp questions to figure out the 360 of that problem. And then let's use those design thinking skills to reverse engineer the most efficient solution, um, regardless of how it's always been done before. And so my ability to like, kind of discard the how we'd always done it yeah. helped yeah. me be able to build technology that had never been done before. So, so. so Jenny, I get, I, my question, I have so many questions, but, <laughs> but, but my question is, were you always, uh, were you always driven with that same level of, you know, inquiry, that same curiosity, or, or was that uh, an, a change that was just driven by survival? Like you, you now are in a, you know, situation where you have to relearn all of these things. And so your brain just, just rewired itself or yeah so what i will say and i see there's a copy here from rob cohen because that's how we met was clubhouse we we're clubhouse buddies um so hey rob so great to see you here i hope the little one is doing well um and so yes i was like this before but as i had gone through life um social conditioning had mm -hmm. like weakened that voice so like that inner voice of like me having like the the idea there was a, a dinner at unleash and it was was Matt Alder and um, Chad and Cheese and um, Evan White and Patrick Hodgson and Patrick Hodgson, who used to be at Factory Fix, knew me before I hit my head. And um, so Chad was fascinated by the story of like how I kind of relearned and went about this. And he's like, how is she different? Um, he's asking Patrick and Patrick's like, it's really simple. Honestly, she hasn't been conditioned that her voice doesn't matter. And she hasn't been conditioned to like to stay back. And so when she sees a problem, she just jumps right into it. And so, yes, that was there um, always. But again, the social conditioning that we go through kind of in our in our journeys through life had had weakened that in some ways. And so coming out of that, when I saw a problem, it's like, well, why aren't we solving this? And there was some start stops with that too, with uh, my leaders earlier on, because I when I saw a problem, be like, well, why aren't we solving this? Then I'd have a leader that would say, like a chief people officer that would say like, why are you in my office? Like, uh, uh, yeah, sorry, I didn't interrupt you. I'm just, I'm having a really un, unanticipated emotional reaction because I did not, I could not have fathomed, um, probably for a million reasons, I could not have fathomed the, the, the issue of, of having your voice diminished the reset on that as a result of this tragedy and coming out of that with that, that original voice that had just kind of been parked for so long. I mean, this is, I mean, we may not even get to the real topic of the, that we had scheduled. <laughs> I just think that's such a wonderful, empowering thing for you to have experienced as a result of such a horrible uh, and, and horrific event you would, you wouldn't wish on anybody. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, here's the thing about horrific and terrible events. Here's the other thing that I lost is fear is learned. Right. So a lot of people are like, I can't believe you went through this. Like, I can't believe you learned everything over again. And like, the truth is, I didn't know it was a hard feat. 
right? Because I just knew it was a problem that I needed to solve. And so like, I went about that again, like I reach out a little bit at the beginning of this, but like I rebuilt my house from the studs out. So like one thing about me is like after my head injury, I could only be in a screen for 15 minutes at a time where I would pass out. Um, And so I had to be really, really careful. And it was not only in a screen, but like any sort of cognitive processing. And so I was cleared to listen to classical music or country music, um, which I usually get some laughs out of because people are like, seriously, there's like, well, there's not as many like difficult concepts to uh-huh. like process with country music, which is also why I love country music. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyways, I, so I ended up rebuilding my house. So one of the things, like a lot of people are like, well, what did you lose in the head injury? Like what was still there? My ability to make a business case or to understand, like to ask, figure out what the problem was Mm -hmm. and make sure that solutions were successful. That apparently was an aid for me. And so like, there was a a call that I had with one of my neurologists and he's like, because my house had been under construction due to water damage and then everything stopped during COVID. And, um, And so I had been cleared to go back to my apartment that I was renting at the time to do puzzles and Legos to retrain my brain. And I was like, help me understand um, why I need to do that. He's like, well, we need the basic repeatable tasks that are going to help kind of like rewire your brain to work. And I was like, mm-hmm. cool. I want you to clear me to do electrical. And he was like, excuse me. And I was like, you want me to do a basic repeatable ta- task or a puzzle? I have 70 outlets to do. You get what you need. I get what I need, which is getting my kids closer to home. Mm-hmm. And, um, so he said yes to that. And then I said, cool, let's talk flooring next. Because I was like, I had all the things that I had to do. And he's like, this is cute. I, it's pretty clear that uh, no is not going to work for you. So um, yes, you can do the flooring. So it's like, well, there's a design element with flooring too. So like, it seems like it's a step up in terms of the puzzles. Right. And um, he's like, sure, that's true. But you just got out of kidney failure and you can't lift more than 10 pounds. So if you can figure out how to do that, you're absolutely clear to do it. And so I did 1,350 square feet, uh, one piece at a time, literally like all the steps putting it in place. But, um, you know, like I didn't know that A, women don't do construction, um, typically the archetypes of of what women do. I didn't know that this was a a feat that was anything to be like to write home about. I was just like, well, there is a problem. Let's just go about it, including like, when I would come across situations, like I worked for a company called Regis and um, we had 6,600 different salons um, across like 60 different brands. Mm -hmm. Um, And my job was to build tools that were gonna help people who didn't understand recruiting, understand it. And um, I didn't know that like building tools for the salon industry was something that was hard. I like, I just, it was like, here's the problem, let's go about it. And the only way that I found is uh, to solve really hard problems is to choose to begin because like, you're going to figure it out kind of on the journey. And so I'm monologuing. What other questions? <laughs> I, I love it. I'm thinking of three different masterclasses, four different stages that you should be on. I mean, there's just, there's, there's so much learning and I think uh, wisdom that comes out of this experience. Uh, and you do, I think you do a really good job. I, I wouldn't call it monologuing, a little bit of storytelling, uh, but I, I think it's perfect. Yeah, I just love it. But it also means uh, it also means that you you don't remember a world without AI. Correct. And not only that, but like for me, again, I when I look at situations, I 
because I only have so many hours of cognitive processing time, I have hard guardrails on what I can do. So before my head injury, I was known as being somebody who would just push through. Like I would like those yellow lights that you get of like, I need to slow down. I just like, screw that. Like, I'm just going to keep going. And um, that's how Jerry drives. Jerry drives like that. It's just, it's the same, it's the same way. (laughs) Yes. And so after my head injury, one of the blessings that came from it is my guardrails turned into hard guardrails. And so I had to be very hyper aware of like, when do I get from yellow, like from, from green to yellow, I've got to start slowing down and then go from, you know, yellow to red. Like I've got to really slow down and, and stop because otherwise, again, like I, I will have, uh, I, I will have a seizure or pass out, which some people who are probably on this have seen that happen before. It's not that common uh, anymore, but places like Vegas can definitely have that uh, occur because of the lights and the inputs and things like that. Um, but it's given me a lens where everything that I look at, I'm always asking, is there a way that we could do this easier? Is there, is this the most efficient way to do this? And again, that's just from like a accommodation piece for me because yeah. I only have so many mental calories that I can spend on uh, processes. So what's happened is ChatGPT has become like my co-pilot um, for getting 85% of the way in 15 seconds. And so I'm really, really, really good at using ChatGPT um, and generative AI to help me cut through the cognitive like load of a yeah. lot of basic repetitive tasks. So a lot of people look at ChatGPT and they're like, oh, cool, I'm going to use it for copywriting. And I'm like, no, don't use it for that. But if you need to build a strategy, like it works great for that. And like, as an example, um, sure. in my last role at Pandalogic and Baritone, which is an AI company, um, one of my CMO, former CMO, uh, she's incredible. And she had sent me this like marketing intake process. And mm-hmm. I was like, just to clarify, what is it that you want me to do with this? She's like, just do you. I just want you to do like, just look at it through your lens. Um, and I was like, cool, what's the goal we're trying to accomplish? And she's like, you know, I want an integrated marketing intake intake form um, that can just really help us to work smarter with our processes. And so I took the existing form. I took it to ChatGPT. I said, acting as an integrated marketing consultant, um, give me a high level analysis of this form. Um, where are the areas that you would add or any, like, you know, where are the holes? What would you add? Kind of all of that. So I gave this full level analysis and then I had it reverse engineer. Mm-hmm. Um, a, like given that feedback, I had it reverse engineer, like a better kind of cohesive um, process. And then I had it put it in a format that would work for JIRA, um, including branching methodology and um, a form for Google. Cause that was going to be the early adopted version. And um then I had it write a letter to the team explaining the why behind the what. Um, and then I had it do like a, a message to my team who was working on the planning for this um, and essentially say, like, here's how I went about this. Here's how I use ChatGPT. Give me any analysis or whatever. But all that took 13 minutes. And so and it came out really freaking good. But like that is an example of how you can use ChatGPT. Yeah. And I'm convinced that in the talent acquisition world, we're uniquely suited to become power users in this because we understand that humans aren't one size fits all, right? Okay, so, so well, well, so let's let's double click on that a little bit, right? So, so Jenny, in your opinion, 
when we were talking about that, right, integrating AI into sort of the TA process and the TA space, what do you, what do you think? Because now this has been your world for the last, right? You, you, your biases are gone. You're all in on this. It's now a life assistant for you. Mm -hmm. I guess, what do you think maybe the most significant challenges and maybe risks might be uh, when we're talking about integrating AI into recruiting processes? Um, and I mean, may, maybe let's consider both compliance and then I think the ethical piece, which we haven't even talked about. Yeah, so I think the biggest fear um, or biggest concern is truly fear. So like anytime we have something that we don't understand, like that signal mm -hmm. can often help us like skirt away from it or like walk away from it, including like the topic we were going to talk about today, which is local law 144 and some of the compliance audits and things like that, yeah. that are coming out from the legislation standpoint, those are in response to a fear that this is going to be used the wrong way. And that fear response isn't always the best way to go about things, but it's somebody who chose to begin. And so it's being able to like, look at it and scale back and ask like, what are the meta implications of what's going on here? And like Jerry had said, is figure out, let's figure out what the problem is. And then let's reverse engineer a solution that's going to work given all of this. So like, I mean, local law 144 is something that's coming out of New York. Um, and I don't know if we want to get into it, just like the really quick nitty gritty of what that yeah, is. Yeah, we've even got a question that came in. There we go. I'll throw it up. Sander also said, you know, what about AI and the new laws in New York? So get, why don't you give us sort of a high level overview of that? And we can yeah. talk into it. Yeah. So like I said, um, Local Law 144 is coming out of, and I have some whiteboards all over me because I'm a nerd um, and I love whiteboards, but it's coming from the DWCP, which is the Division of Workers' Compensation Programs in New York City. And what it essentially says is there's four elements to how Local Law 144 works. The first says that if you are recruiting talent in the city of New York City, which means y'all, if you're doing a remote job, um, likely that you're going to potentially offer that to somebody in New York City, right? Yep. If you're doing that, you have to conduct a third-party bias audit to determine if your automated decision-making tools are biasing anybody like outside the norm, right? Mm -hmm. So that element one, that's the one that a lot of people are talking about. The second is that you have to notify, notify the applicant at the moment of intent that AEDT is being used. So that automated decision-making is being used. Mm -hmm. The third is your bias audits, audit results need to be publicly available. And the fourth is you need to have an opt-out pr provision or an accommodation um, option for candidates who are going through this process. And um, the, like, so this this has been going for a long time. I was fortunate to be at the the forward edge of, of this because at in my last role, um, we saw this coming. And uh, so last year it was, uh, Kristen and I, who is our my CMO at um, at Pandalogic and Baritone, I was like, we have to do this, and she's like, but it's for the employers because that's one of the other pieces. Is this? I was a vendor, but this actually falls to the employers, and I was like, yes, it does fall to the employers and not the vendors, but we've got to be the guide in that hero's journey to figure, like, to help teach them how to get this right, because like that's something that we can do in order to help people on that journey. Jenny, so, is there really quickly for that? Is there a lot of discussion going on around what what constitutes automated decision making? Hundred percent. Yeah, that was like some of the the conversations that were coming. So if you go back to the DWCP's, um, uh, there's a lot of hearings 
there was a lot of people in our space, including myself and um, other voices you've probably heard of who were at the forefront of this that were challenging it. Like, because again, we're seeing it come down. It's like, that's not going to work y'all. Like, but if we pivoted this way, like we need definitions, we need like all these different pieces, right? Because for some of us, this, this has echoes of internet applicant. Yes. Right. Like you, you get, you get some guidelines. Yeah. You get some guidelines and they're kind of vague and squishy. Yes. Uh, but, but go forth and be compliant. Exactly. But the internet applicant was over 20 some odd years ago. So thanks. Now who's dating? No <laughs> almost no one, but you remember it, you know, Chris. So the, so the, we're really dealing with this coming full circle once again. Yeah. And and I love the point that you just made, Jenny, about we got to help the employer. The, the employer is the one who's going to get sued. And in what a class action get, suit. But the point is, is the fine for non-compliance is up the, to $1,500 though doesn't know what the vendor's tools are doing in the process that they're trying to deal with yes, because that's proprietary. So mm -hmm. fundamentally, it really does mean that the employers have got to step up to the vendors and, and get them working on giving them the kind of transparency that allows them to determine that they're in compliance. 100%. And the thing to remember with this for anybody who's watching, um, and I apologize to my vendor, friends who are out there because this might end up with repercussions for you um, and you might not like them, but that's okay. Um, but if a vendor, so the most important questions to ask regarding this type of law and other laws are always the how questions. So like a lot of people talk about like the, the why or the what or the why behind the what. Anything regarding compliance, it's like, I want you to show me how your GDPR compliant. I want you to show me how your local law 144 compliance, show me how you've gone through your bias audits, right? Like those how questions are critical. Those are your pickaxes so you can figure out what the problem is. Um, one second, Alexa, stop. Sorry. I'm AI is butting in with an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's still going. So I uh, gotta love my A-L-E-X-A. I'm not gonna say, cause I'm sure there's people who are in this conversation who have that in the background too. Um, but uh, where was I? I just lost my train of thought. Can you guys connect the dots for me? Well, you were talking about the question, the how question. Oh, yes. The how question. Thank you, Jerry. I appreciate that. Um, so that how question. If you ask your vendors how they are compliant for local law 144 and they do not give you a clear answer, that is what we call a red flag. We do not run towards red flags. We run away from them. So you as a vet, like as, as a customer, you have a right to be able to get these answers. And if you don't get those from the vendor, you do not just like let it go because the, the risk is on your shoulders, right? So the um, the penalty for non-compliance, for example, for this, the fine for non-compliance is up to $1,500 per day per tool that yeah. is not audited. So I think the last, what is it? The research said that like people have like 19 to 22 different tools in the talent acquisition space, usually on average. So think about that. Like, let's just do some basic math. Let's just do $1,500 times 10, right? We're talking about a huge sizable amount of money here, right? And it will be fined $6,000 each day until compliance. If any company uses four such tools, it will be fined $6,000 each day 
until compliance is achieved. But but isn't the the way I had understood that, and, and maybe I got it wrong, isn't that per tool that is using the automated decision making, like or that is using the AI? It's not not every tool within that, within their toolbox. It's just all things that are impacting that automated decision right. Right? Yeah. with the assessment. But still, the the critical thing that I think Jenny is saying is these new compliance laws have teeth in them. In the past, they did not, or it was my, so minor, it was it could be ignored. I don't think you can ignore it anymore, and I think I think a lot of the them are becoming tougher and tougher. So they're going to add up. Yes. So we've got a hundred percent, and we've got. Um, I'd love to get your thoughts on this too, Jenny. Chloe Reda, and I'm going to put I it up here for a minute. Chloe, hi Chloe. Yeah, I'm Chloe throw it up. We so love fun, her. really, really, really quick story. Yep. Chloe was there for my first conference that I ever did live coming back into the space. And um, she and Alina Valentine and um, Amina Thompson and Carrie Corbin found out that I didn't know what clubbing was because of my head injury. And so, and I only knew that's the time. The that's the crew you want teaching you clubbing. <laughs> so I, I'll never forget, like I was there and I was like, I love wait, it. people dance in public? Because I only knew COVID, right? And COVID almost killed me. So I'm like, this is crazy. Like the whole concept of people blowing out candles on a cake. I was like, that's nuts. I was like, but Chloe was there because they figured out that like I had never gone clubbing. They're like, we're going to give you the right type of clubbing experience. And so we ended up going clubbing. Uh, oh my God. In, well, that uh, would be the crew I would probably hand pick for you. But, um, and Jerry, I'm sorry, this will sit on you for just a second. I'll take it off if, if anybody's watching. So Chloe's comment for those who might just be uh, listening, not watching. Pre-hire assessment vendor. This is Chloe. Uh, my pre-hire uh, assessment vendor brought this to me and their audit report. And then after working with their legal, I was her legal, I was able to get the statement live on our site and displayed on every US job in just a few weeks. Heck yeah, way to go Chloe Rita. That was awesome. It was good. And and uh, Jenny, what do you think about the fact that not not just in New York, but California and others, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about Deborah's comment, um, Many, many employers just have not gotten step one. They haven't gotten to first base is well, really the problem. There is a really pivotal step that's step zero in any of this. And that is you have to understand, you have to have the map or the blueprint of how you make decisions in talent acquisition. Um, so in where tools are leveraged. So you have to start with the map first of like, here's what my experience is from high to higher and ideally from higher to, to fire. Um, where are their tools being used? What are the tools being used? That step zero map should be your kind of like battleship guide of going deep then. So then you look at your experience and like, okay, so from high, so the, the moment somebody sees my role, they're going through this type of experience. I've mapped my candidate experience, my journey. And I've also identified like when any sort of technology not just AI, but any sort of technology is used. Then if it, any sort of technology is used, you go back to that vendor and say, are you local law? Show me how your local law 144 compliant, right? Because you want them to be the lens of whether or not they fit. You don't want to determine this because mm -hmm. you might get it wrong, right? Great call out. And so like, it's yeah. really, really critical. That step zero point of understanding how we make decisions you have to have that as an organization. And it might be hard to um, to start from scratch, but like just like Chloe did, you have to choose to begin. You're going to figure this out as you go, right? But you have to have, you don't go into Yellowstone National Park to go on a hike without a map. 
And sometimes you get to like the branch of like, I go this way and then I go that way. That's essentially what you need to have for how we do talent acquisition. And that decision-making tree has to be the decision-making tree that's used in all situations because otherwise you're going to have issues. Um, so so I, I love the analogy, but the, the reality is there's a lot of stupid people that go into Yellowstone National Park. We're seeing yeah, that all over the news anyway. Go ahead, Jerry. Go ahead. I, I was going to say there's two master classes that come up for me. <laughs> one one is, is how um, employers can step up to, with vendors in order to get you know, to get past where we are to where we should be. And the second to me is also for um, uh, candidates. They need to be able to step up as well when they spy or see or experience in their path, in their journey to engage a company, um, a lack of compliance on the part of the company. And and they, they need to do their role as well in terms of uh, reporting that somewhere. That yes, seems to me. you yeah. absolutely do. You have to understand that at its core, you've got rights. So like, you know, I use the example of like with my head injury um, kind of earlier in this conversation, most of the talent acquisition processes that exist today, I can't actually go through from like, I mean, a lot of them are behavioral questions about your past, guess what? I don't know my past, right? So like being able to provide you like for your leadership assessment with like this analysis of like, here's who I am, here's what I did, here's how I responded in that situation. Like I'm uniquely dispositioned to not be able to go through that process. And so one of my favorite questions to ask um, one of my mentors in, in this world is from Torin Ellis. And he always, asked, he, he taught me to ask the question who's not present here when we're building our processes. And so whether that's somebody who's neurodiverse, somebody who may have some cognitive uh, disability like myself, like, can they go through my experiences? Again, from high to, to higher and ideally higher, higher to fire, can they go through it with the same equitable process? Because like we need to universally design how, so to use an example, if you have a universally designed building, somebody who is in a wheelchair can go into it Somebody who is blind can go into it. Somebody who is deaf can go into it. Like they are going to be built for a lot of different use cases. And the result is that you have more people from different backgrounds that are in that building. The processes that you build from a talent acquisition standpoint are should be, should be universally designed. So again, in your organization, Anybody from any background, whether they're autistic, whether they're ADHD, whether they have a head injury and lost their memory, like they can get through these processes, right? With the same equitable experience, which is all of the stuff that comes, like the meta implications of this. That's why, because historically we haven't been very good about creating equitable paths for people to find jobs. And so, sometimes the tools that we've used have run away and yeah. are biasing people at scale. Yeah, so let so let's come back to your, to your original comment of who, who's looking out for the employers. So is it enough that that maybe you have a really awesome person like a Chloe Rada on your team to to take that initiative and push? But then what is it that Chloe and and her team should be doing next? Like, with, is it is it just a matter of reading and asking Chat GPT? I'm keeping up with the news. I'm watching what's going on. Or like, is there some next step, some next resource she should really be taking advantage of? So. Chloe Rada is a perfect example for how to use this because Chloe Rada understands that her talent acquisition processes, she's building Iron Man's suit. 
And so her job is to build the suit, which is that suit has to help Tony Stark in the situation be able to like save the world, right? But yep. when Chloe goes and takes a piece of technology out of that suit and puts something else back into that suit, she still needs the rest of the suit to work, right? And that suit that she's building has to fit people from all different types of sizes and backgrounds. They have to be able to operate that suit. So Chloe gets that like at her core, right? And so when she's going into these processes, she's asking those right sharp questions to figure out what the problem is. And then how do we reverse engineer the solution, right? It's about the sharp questions that you have to ask. You do not need to be an expert of all these things. You can use ChatGPT. If I was talking to Chloe or like before she had gone through this um, or anybody else in the space and like, if you want to get up and running on some of these implications and like what these laws are, go to the websites, take the long form version to chat GPT-4 and have it summarize the meta implications of like, so again, I said earlier, because I get a little passionate on this, but I think talent acquisition professionals are uniquely positioned to be able to be super users with chat GPT. And the reason for that is we understand the difference of personas with mm -hmm. talent. And the same thing happens with ChatGPT. You have to be able to ask the right sharp question to get the, the, the right sharp output, right? It's kind of like Boolean. So like instead of Boolean, it's a prompt that you're engineering. And so acting as, or like I am, for example, an HR leader for a company that's this big. I am trying to understand the meta implications of the law that I'm about to give you. Can you please provide for me a high level analysis of the action items or steps that are needed in order to become compliant with this law. And so if you just copy and paste the long form text into that, chat GPT will do a pretty dang job, good job of giving you those meta implications. And so the other piece to remember is local law 144 out of New York is the first. It's not the best. Um, they tried, like they chose to begin. I appreciate that. There are elements of it which are not the greatest. But um, there's a saying regarding AI compliance um, and it's the war is gonna be won or lost in California. And so what's mm -hmm. happening in New York is, is great, but like what's happening in California, that's what you have to be prepared for because that's gonna change the freaking game candidly. Um, and it's going to bring vendors to the table in the right way. So like if anybody has a, a piece or a piece of the experience, they're all going to be essentially the goal is that everybody will have to like speak up to that, which is why, again, don't want to scare everybody, but it's really important to have your mapped processes because for any of this, that's step zero of understanding how do we, like, how do we make decisions is critical, like absolutely critical, which is what I have a fire in my belly to help people do. And that's why I started a consulting practice to do that. So I love it. I absolutely love it. Look, I, I got to ask you, we ask everybody as we wrap up the show, uh, Jenny, if, if you were going to write a book and maybe you are not, not looking to give anything away here, but if you were going to write a book on the topic, uh, that we've talked about today, what would you title that book? Probably choosing to begin because the only way to solve like the hardest problems in life are truly to choose to begin. And you've got to take the right step, the first step. You do not need to have the blueprint for the entire staircase before you go about it, right? Like that's the thing about being a pioneer. There wasn't somebody who came before you. Like these AI laws, people are learning on the fly. And like 
what's good doesn't necessarily exist. And so what Jerry was talking about earlier of like, we have to be at the forward edge of this. We have to ask those right sharp questions. We have to build practices. Like it's our goal. You should be ahead of the, the legislation. Don't You don't want to be somebody who's reactive to this. Mm-hmm. Like if you're building, this is the perfect time, right? Like teams are largely decimated uh, right now with what's going on in the environment. Like they've lost a lot of people. There's no more important time than right now to figure out what is your journey? What is your process? How do we begin? Because again, it's the right first step to all of this downstream compliance stuff. And the goal is like, you want to get it right. And the only way to get it right is to choose to begin. So, so I'm going to ask you, present company excluded, who gets the first signed copy of your book? Um, probably my fiance. God bless him. He's been... <laughs> I'm very, there's, I mean, Chloe's not Andrew before, but there's a, uh, when you lose your memory for how the world works, including like how people respond in relationships to things, there can be some downstream implications. So I remember there was one time where um, I uh, asked Andrew for a break and I didn't realize that like that was asking for like to break up. I was just like, I work is really busy for me right now. I just need to focus on the kids and work, which, and so like, he's like, well, are you going to come get your stuff? And I was like, what, what, why are you, what, I don't know what's going on. Like, what are you talking about? And um, he's like, uh, he, God bless him. He's become very, very, very patient um, because he's like, no, there's like asking for a break is asking to break up. And I was like, well, that's stupid. No wonder there's so many problems in relationships. Please tell me, please tell me you have since seen the Rachel and Ross. Oh, yeah. There's, there's a lot of, uh, yeah, Rachel, of, yeah. I've had to relearn like everything about like how history works, how the world works, like popular culture. And uh, there is one of the people who I mentioned earlier, uh, Carrie Corbin, when she got engaged, she was wearing, uh, I noticed she was wearing a wedding ring and she's one of my mentors. Um, and her now husband was not wearing one. And I was like, I'm so confused. And I'm very thankful for the humans who are in my life who understand, like, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just like innately curious, trying to figure out how the world works. And I was like, why? Like, I know you as this rock'em sock'em, like female who is so empowered. Can you help me understand how in 2022, Matt's not wearing an engagement ring? And she's like, Oh yeah. So here's the history of that. And so walks through that. And I was like, okay. And I didn't realize, for example, that, um, that females don't typically propose to men. And so, uh, Andrew one day was like, yeah, well, if you ever got married, you'd have to propose to me. And I was like, cool. Which I thought was the equivalent of like going to the store to get the eggs. Um, and then came to find out like, that's not something that females typically do. And then I was like, well, heck yeah, I'm absolutely going to propose. Nobody else is going to, but now Andrew wears a, an engagement ring too. Because I was like, in 2023, we should have equitable representation of like, you're taken and I'm taken. I don't understand how some of those archetypes like are still existing, uh, but yeah. I love the blank, so Andrew, I love we the blank slate. Yeah, I like, and that approach of like re- rethinking everything. Jay, uh, we want to thank you so much, so much gratitude for you giving us uh, what, what limited screen time that you give yourself. So we're super appreciative of it uh, and the wisdom. Uh, it's just been a joy to talk to you. We're, we're just really grateful that you made time for us. Thank you so much. Thank you.
thank you for what it is that you're doing um, and helping to elevate talent acquisition professionals everywhere and help us get this world right. It's an important, important, important journey that you all are on. And just the fact that you're here and willing to learn and ask what if, um, it's really important. So keep doing that. Thank you. Well, three three importance. We'll take it. I'm going to put you in the green room uh, for just a second. Don't hang up. Uh, even hang out past the music. Don't hang up. Stay in there. Uh, I want to talk to you about, about a couple of things in there. So we're going to put you back in there. But thank you again, Jenny. Much, much gratitude. All right. So, Jerry, you know where I'm going with this because the uh, the work that we're doing uh, on the solution side uh, yeah. with regards to AI and and some of that, I don't know if you want to, can you take a minute and just share some folks with sort of the the work that's in front of you? Uh, and this initiative, this real, I mean, this is a windmill that's been fun for us to sort of tilt at for the last year, but, but that we, we continue to well, move towards. You know, and Jenny, Jenny does a great job in terms of just setting the foundational set of issues, uh, you know, and the kinds of questions we need to do. But, but we as a industry really have to step up and become more capable of providing a voice or at least a catalyst for a voice for the industry. Um, what, what's happening is that a lot of people who are not in our industry are, are creating the laws and the directives that, that impact how we recruit in the future. And we should be part of that. And to some degree, some of us are, but, but, but fundamentally that's, um, that's not as powerful as it should be. We should have a collective voice, not just the individuals who are out there trying to do good work. I think I think collectively we've got to come together and have a voice for the industry. And so our talent solutions community is an attempt to create a little bit of a catalyst approach to that. And and we have a lot of work to do. I mean, part of it is part of it is looking at some of these masterclass kind of options in terms of what are the questions that we should be doing. But but the rest of it is really understanding what the baseline practices for the future to the 21st century are and uh and calling out those who aren't there so that's that's what we got to do i love it i love it all right well anybody who's sort of interested in that and wants to check that out you can reach out to jerry and i directly of course you can check out uh cxr.works we got a lot of information up there we're happy to connect with you uh did i forget anything jerry i think we're good no you're good all right. Well, that's it for today's recruiting community. We'll catch everybody next week. And until then, we hope to see you online. CXR.works. Take care, everybody. Say bye, Jerry. Bye. Now we're now in second. Thanks for listening to the CXR channel. Please subscribe to CXR on your favorite podcast resource and leave us a review while you're at it. Learn more about CXR at our website, CXR.works, Facebook.com and Twitter.com slash Career Crossroads, and on Instagram at Career X Roads. We'll catch you next time.